it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE Podcast. My name is Mimi Burris, and we are talking about Quake at the Lake, last night's episode of Dynamite. An uneven show, but a world championship match and a great opener, and we're going to get into everything in between as well. So without further ado, let's get right into it right after this. a little sweet on Christian Cage, if you know what I mean. The AEW Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. Nobody is on my level. The TBS Champion. Nobody better in the world, because it's called I want you to fire me. You Alright, thank you everybody for listening to this show today. I'm always grateful to be able to talk about Dynamite with you guys. So we're going to get right into it after I quickly plug Patreon. It is a dollar a month for all of these shows ad-free. You can also subscribe on iTunes as well to get all these shows ad-free and some exclusive content. So what are you doing if you're not subscribed already? Get on it. And uh, and yeah, let's get into the show which started with the coffin match, uh, Brody King versus Darby Allen and Brody King's entrance, you guys. Just the mask, the music. I think the the lights going out 
it seems, I don't know, Brody King takes five years to get into the ring, but it's a little bit long. I know this time was a little bit different because of the Darby Allen thing. But, yeah, it, it, that's the only thing I complain about there. But um, it's a little bit of a long darkness there. But, yeah, I mean, the face paint, everything, it looks so good with the blood later on, too. Um, and, yeah, we had Darby Allen ambushing Brody King right out of the bell. Um Darby Allen cracked Brody King over the back with a skateboard lined with thumbtacks. He busted Brody, Brody open wide open by scraping Brody King's face with the thumbtack skateboard thing. Uh, Brody King going outside of the ring. Darby Allen came out to try to keep attacking him, but he hurled him over the uh, timekeeper's area, and he went face first, neck first into the barricade. It looked brutal. Uh, Darby Allen came back, hit an avalanche code red, an avalanche code red on Brody King off the top rope, obviously. And then uh, Darby Allen trying to get Brody King in the coffin, but Brody King hits Darby Allen with a straight shot, this chop that made my insides curl up into a little ball and run home. Uh, I don't know why I said that, but it came out of my mouth, so we're going to keep going. Uh, Darby Allen goes into the guardrail a couple more times. And then Brody King goes to jump off the second rope on Darby Allen through a table. But Darby Allen gets out of the way. He goes through the table. And I should say, throughout this entire time, Brody King is just bleeding. Like, when he got up from the table, there was just a pile of blood on the floor. And you know what? It's time, guys. Brody King made my best bleeders club. Uh, really, really. I don't know if he just scraped himself up a crap ton from the thumbtacks, but that guy was gushing blood. Uh, he's up there now with the bunny and others. So, um, yeah. All right. So we had, um, Brody King, like I said, crashing through the table. And then right as, uh, Darby Allen started to get the momentum, the lights went out. The House of Black returned. We had Buddy Matthews return and Malachi Black. Uh, Darby Allen ran the ropes, but Julia Hart popped up also from behind the apron and tripped him up. And uh, he was going for the suicide dive, but yeah, uh, Julia Hart tripped him up. And we had Buddy Matthews and Malachi Black just attacking Darby Allen. And and everybody's like, where's Sting? Where's Sting? They put him through a table with Brody King doing a diving cannonball. That looked like a terrible bump to take. Darby Allen took so many crazy bumps in this match. But um, Buddy Matthews goes to open the coffin. And who's inside it other than Sting? They must have done some trap door or something with this. Because obviously they showed the coffin with uh, no nobody in it in the beginning, so I don't know exactly how they did this, but whatever they did, it was awesome. Uh, and Sting hit Brody King with, uh, or excuse me, Sting hit Buddy and Brody King with the uh, baseball bat a bunch of times, even the odds. He throws the baseball bat to Malachi Black, inviting him to use it, but Malachi Black drops the bat after slightly pretending he's going to swing at him, I guess, and then walks out and says, basically, we'll do this another time. Uh, two, like, mythical creatures in a wrestling ring. It was crazy. It was awesome. Uh, then Sting goes after Malachi Black on the ramp, and Darby Allen is back in the ring with Brody King. I don't know where Buddy Matthews and Julia Hart went in all this, but, uh, and yeah, it was a terrible, terrible sight. Broken tables everywhere, blood everywhere. Brody King goes to hit Darby Allen with, like, this, I forget what his finisher is called, but it's that terrible bomb, the gotcha bomb, the gotcha something. I wanted to call it the ganja bomb, but that is not what it's called. Uh, and, um, Darby Allen, however, reverses it, hits him with a bunch of stiff elbows, and then gets the chain that is Brody King's chain, and basically chokes Brody King out after hitting him with it, and uh, Brody King takes the most perfect bump 
into the coffin. So, yeah, I, I really went into all this recap for this match, because, and I'm probably not going to do it for a lot of the other matches in this show, but this had so many good spots that I didn't want to miss any, so I wanted to go through all of that. Yeah, Darby Allen bumped like a, like a freaking, like he weighed two pounds this entire time. I don't even know. He bumped like a feather the entire match, even better than a feather, because I guess if he threw a feather, it wouldn't really go far. Like, like a really good paper airplane is what Darby Allen bumped like, I guess. And, uh, or just a rock, a little rock, a little freaking pebble and, uh, went over the guardrail. That was a really awful bump. It looked like his neck broke as he flipped over it. Um, and you know what? Nobody lost anything in this match. Brody King came out looking like a beast. Darby Allen came out looking like a strong baby face. And, uh, like I said, that bump at the end was so perfect. So this was a great opener to Dynamite and, uh, really set the, set the tone for the rest of the night, I thought. I think if this match didn't deliver as well as it did, I don't think I would be as forgiving as I feel like I am for a lot of the stuff that was on this show. So, Next up, we had the tag team tornado match with the Lucha Brothers, Penta and Ray Phoenix versus El La Faccion in Gobernable, Andrade, El Idolo, and Roosh. Uh, obviously, Alex Abrahentes and Jose, the assistant, coming out as well. That played into the match later on, but... Yeah, if I tried to review this match, I think I'd give myself a headache. Or not review, excuse me, go over and and recap. Uh, There were a lot of awesome moves. There was an Eddie Guerrero tribute. There was a frog splash that got reversed. Basically, towards the end of the match, they tie Penta's mask up. (sighs) They tie Penta's mask up in the ropes. And uh, it's like double knotting it, apparently. And then Roosh spikes Ray Phoenix with a pile driver. And uh, Penta... Gets unmasked, though, to break up the pin attempt. He quickly covers his face and rolls out of the ring or gets hit with something and rolls out of the ring. And then Roosh hits Ray Phoenix with the bull's horns. Andrade Alidolo nails him with the hammerlock DDT. And then they get the windfall by pin. Windfall by pinfall. Win. They get the windfall. They get the win by a pinfall. And, yeah, I... You guys know how I feel about Ray Phoenix. I, he's my favorite wrestler to watch. He's so incredible. Um, just the stuff that he can do in the ring and the, the rope hopping that he did. I think he actually did it twice in this match. And some of those moves that Penta and him came up with. There was one move where he, like, he literally looked like he used Penta's shoulders as a trampoline at one point. It was incredible. And a lot of these spots are really good, but I don't know if it's Andrade who's like beefed up and that's why he just doesn't feel the same anymore. Roosh doesn't seem to really be doing it for me. I don't know if it's their style, what exactly I don't like about this team, but I can't put my finger on it. And I think it is partially because of Andrade who beefed up and he's just not the same guy he was in NXT. I mean, he had a match with Johnny Gargano that, that is in my top 10 favorite matches of all time and uh, maybe top 15, 20, but still, it was an incredible, incredible match. Think about how many wrestling matches we've ever watched, and um, and he, I feel like he's just not the same, and then they do more mask stuff, like, more mask stuff. I, how many times have we seen the masked stuff? Like, Penta needs to cut that thing off the back of his mask, or, like, they need to secure a mask, wear two masks, they need to do better, because if they're not expecting this at this point, it's their fault. Uh, it's so frustrating, I think, to go with this kind of win. I wish one team just got the win over the other without all this shenanigans. Uh, and there was a spare mask, I'll give them that. That was something, but it got taken away. So, anyways, moving on down the card. 
We had the Young Bucks backstage with the Dark Order and Hangman Page. Uh, Nick Jackson comes in and thanks Hangman Page for helping him uh, last week. He said he didn't have to do that. And basically, Matt Jackson just apologizes to Page for how Matt treated him and how both of them treated him and said that when they're around Page, they bring, Page brings out the good in them. He invited Paige to join them for the trios tournament to reform the Hung Bucks, but uh, Paige declines, saying that he's going to be in the corner of the Dark Order. And um, here's the problem I have with this segment. It's it's the Young Bucks acting. Uh, I am no actress myself, so I will never claim to be, but the Young Bucks are terrible actors. They just are. Uh, I assume Matt Jackson might be a better actor, and that's why they had him speaking, but yeah, they are just not good actors. And uh, they're good with the facial expressions, I'll give them that. And uh, I like how they just, you know, hate on Brandon Cutler. I, that was pretty good. But So that was one problem I had with this. And the other one was this whole camera stuff. Like, I get it. The hidden camera is a thing. And, like, we have to acknowledge it. And they do their best with it. But, like, they're like, Brandon Cutler, come and uh, film this. I want everybody to see this, yada, yada, yada. Like, why can't Brandon Cutler just be, like, documenting them and that be the hidden camera thing? Like, he just is making a documentary or, I don't know, he's just documenting their every move. He films their every move because they think they're so great. I, I don't know exactly what you would do, but you don't need to point out the fact that he's filming you every single time. Like, Brandon, turn the camera on. Is the camera on? Brandon, 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 is the camera on? Is the camera on? Turn the camera on. Like, it just gets a little excessive. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, so I don't like that. I'm pretty much sick of that, but I don't think that's going to change. So uh, we had Luchasaurus versus Anthony Henry uh, next and the workhorseman, J.D. Drake, obviously outside of the ring and Jungle Boy joining commentary. He says he doesn't think he's going to be there for a while. And that was exactly that because Luchasaurus finishes him off uh, terrible headbutt and then hits him with the fos- fossilizer. That's going to be a tough word for me to say. They better rename that finisher. And this was all just a match to set up an angle. Um, Christian Cage is backstage and he starts to insult Jungle Boy again. But Jungle Boy hears enough, sprints backstage to try to attack Christian Cage. But security holds him back. And then Luchasaurus basically destroys everybody and headbutts official Pat Buck. Uh, who looks really familiar. And I don't know if he was in WWE or something, but uh, he looks really familiar to me. So just throwing that out there. Maybe somebody knows. You can tweet me on the Twitter at Mimi Burris. But um. Yeah, I, I, uh, this didn't advance anything. It was kind of a waste of the time on the show. 
we know that Jungle Boy wants to beat up Christian Cage. I'll say this. Th- this is a positive of this whole thing. At least Jungle Boy didn't just sit there and there wasn't an invisible wall and he knew where Christian Cage was, so he went over there to beat him up because he hates the guy. Like, at least that was that. But Christian Cage has got to be so stupid. Like, how does he not expect that to happen? Uh, Does he already know the security guards are going to be there? I don't know exactly what the deal is, but I can't wait to watch Jungle Boy get his hands on Christian Cage so they're doing something right. Um, We had a promo from the Redeemer, Miro, talking about the House of Black, but Julia Hart shows up and basically tells Miro to embrace the darkness. Miro says that he's only allowed one woman, he's only allowed one woman to touch him, and his path was now clear. And I assume we're going to get the trios matched there with Sting and Darby Allen, and that will be great because I want to see more interaction with Brody King and Darby Allen. I'm not done with that. That was so awesome. Uh, what a great match. And, you know, I didn't talk about, and I guess I'm going to bring it up again now, um, what they did, in, like, including their first match in that, where basically we all knew that Darby Allen was so outmatched in a regular one-on-one match because Brody King was so strong and so much bigger than him and just such a monster of a man and so what they do is they just make Darby Allen like the scrappy little baby face and uh and make him use weapons and all that other stuff and make Brody King make a mistake and then they have a callback to the first match obviously with basically Darby Allen hanging Brody King uh with the chain that's obviously happened before with the sleeper hold and, and Brody King so yeah, I mean, really, really good stuff. I really enjoyed that, and uh, I, I know I'm bringing up the first match again, but I wanted to talk about that because we had another, we had a lot of interruptions, <sighs> a lot of interruptions. I don't think we had an interview without an interruption this show. Uh, Mark Henry trying to interview Powerhouse Hobbs, but QT Marshall in the factory interrupt him. Basically, Hobbs walks off and says, don't let your problems become my problem, and uh, then later, angrily, after the match, he destroys the TV I don't know. I don't know, guys. This seemed silly to me, too. Uh, but I guess we're advancing the storyline with uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Ricky Starks. I don't know if, like, Hobbs was just angry that QT Marshall in the factory didn't get the job done. Wouldn't he want to get the job done? Maybe it was because he used the spine buster and that pissed him off. I'm not exactly sure. But then we had my l- probably least favorite segment of the show, which was Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh uh, came out. Basically, Sanjay said that they weren't done with Wardlow. He asked anybody if they had watched Battle of the Belts. And Jay Lethal says that Wardlow, last Saturday, we sent a message, uh, basically talks about the um, chokeslam from uh, Satnam Singh, or excuse me, from, yeah, Satnam Singh. Uh, defend the championship against me one more time or we will come and find you and just take it. Wardlow comes out and looking quite dapper in that suit. I have to say, he looked like a like a mountain of a man, like just a good-looking dude, Wardlow is. Uh, he said, you want another shot at this? You got it. But tonight I'm whooping all three of your you-know-whats. And uh, right as he's coming to the ring and we think you're outmatched, maybe you could beat up three guys if there wasn't a guy who was seven foot four in the ring. But FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood come out to have his back. Basically, Sanjay, Jay Lethal, and Satnam retreat out of the ring. Uh, and FTR and um, Jay Lethal, uh, FTR hit Jay Lethal with the big rig because Jay Lethal tries to go in the ring one more time. I don't know. He was stupid. I don't know why he did that. He went in all by himself. So that made no sense. But it was good to see the big rig. It was good to see FTR. It was nice that we did a little callback to this FTR Wardlow stuff from the Pinnacle, obviously, which was the start of the turn for FTR to baby faces. So I really did enjoy that aspect of it. And it makes sense why these guys would be friends. But 
Does anybody want to see Jay Lethal versus Wardlow again? Because I certainly don't. And uh, I assume we're going to get a six-man tag maybe out of this. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, we had absolute Ricky Starks versus Aaron Solo next. And this was a pretty quick match. But with an incredible uh, finishing sequence that ended with the spear um, from uh, Starks to Solo. So I really did enjoy the finishing sequence. And, and there wasn't much to sink your teeth into other than that. And then they try to do the post-match beatdown with Nick Camarado who gets hit with the spine buster. And that's uh, and they try to get out of there, or they try to attack the ring, or they surround the ring. But Ricky Starks ends up running away through the crowd. And um, this is the problem I have with this segment. And I know it seems like I'm being really negative. I did enjoy watching this show actually, just as a fan. I enjoyed the chaotic nature of it. I enjoyed the messiness of it. I enjoyed the whole show as a whole. I just when we go through and pick these things apart. There's just a lot of problems with it. So it sounds like I'm being really negative, but I promise I did I did enjoy the show as a whole, uh, especially with that great opener and that good main event as well. So uh, spoiler alert to what we're going to talk about at the main event, I guess. But yeah, um, I, do you want the baby face to be running away? Uh, I guess he's a smart baby face because he's outnumbered. I don't know. I just, it's something to think about, I guess. But uh, we had the quarter hour and you know what that means. TBS title title match, TBS title match. I don't know why I said title twice. Jade Cargill versus Madison Rain, and this wasn't good, uh, you guys. I mean, I had I went into this with low expectations, and I will say that it did exceed my expectations, but that's not saying much. Uh, and then at the end of the match, obviously we had Jade Cargill win with the jaded butt. But uh, Athena jumps out into the ring. She decks Jade. Kira pulls Jade out of the ring to save her. And then we get a direct message from Athena that she's coming for the TBS title, holding that in the air. So maybe we'll finally get this. But this feud has really cooled down. And where did I guess Chris Statlander is injured? I, I want Chris Statlander at uh, All Out to take the title away from uh, Jade Cargill. And I don't think I'm alone in that. So this is what we're doing, I guess, though. And you know what? It's good to see Athena back on television. They, like, debuted her, and then they really cooled down real quick. So we had more women's stuff because it's the quarter hour. Tony Schiavone interviewing Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa in the most uncomfortable... Yeah. Oh, Schiavone did say that Chris Statlander was injured. So Tony uh, makes is the number one contender now for the AEW Women's Championship. And it was really just they talk about that they talk about it some other time and just awkward, bad acting, more bad acting um, from the women and from everybody on AEW, I guess, tonight. Uh, we did get two good promos, I'll say, from uh, Chris Jericho and John Moxley in the beginning of the show, but that's just their, you know, consummate professionals, so... And then we had our main event, which was the AEW Interim World Title Match or AEW World Title Match. If John Moxley, you're listening because you are the world champion, please don't hurt me. Uh, the Blackpool Combat Club's John Moxley versus not just Chris Jericho, but Lionheart, the last graduate of the Heart Foundation, Heart Dungeon, Chris Jericho. I don't even know if that's really true. I'd have to do some more research on that, but I don't think that's true. I think I definitely think he was trained in the Heart Dungeon partially, but I don't know if that, I don't know. Someone look it up, I guess, and I'll look it up myself. But um, we had William Regal on commentary for this match, and that always adds uh, to this. Uh, so Jericho flips Moxley off as the match uh, begins, and then Moxley flips him off as well. They lock up a couple times, and Jericho gets the uh, better, of him, better of him a few times uh, with some arm drags. Moxley counters the walls of Jericho. 
And then Jericho gets tied up with Moxley and connects with a couple elbow strikes. Uh, Jericho takes down Moxley with a a snapmare and uh, then goes for the earring and tears it out of Moxley's ear. And, uh, of course, Moxley just had to bleed in this match. He didn't really bleed. I don't think he bled from the forehead. Maybe he did as well, but at least he was bleeding from the ear, so it was coming from somewhere else. I don't know. Call him Cody Rhodes from now on, though, guys. Um, And then Jericho and a bloody Moxley go back and forth. Uh, Jericho counters a DDT into a backbreaker. Uh, follows it all, uh, uh, follows it up. Excuse me, with the lion salt. It's always so scary to watch. Uh, and then Moxley transitions into an armbar out of the pinfall. Uh, Jericho manages to escape, but uh, Moxley locks in an ankle lock. Submissions back and forth. We got Jericho hitting Moxley with a flying German suplex. Uh, Huracrana off the turnbuckles, and then uh, a knee against the ring post and puts him in the figure four. Uh, later on in the match, we have, this was a long match, so I'm not going to recap all of it, but basically we had the fans chanting, fight forever. Jericho uh, charged at Moxley with the championship belt. Uh, this is after Sammy Guevara threw a bat, not well, that was a little bit of a mess, uh, into the ring. And uh, yeah, totally missed the ring. So Jericho had to go out of the ring and then come back into the ring, and the whole thing kind of looked contrived. But I was willing to look past it because this was a great match. Uh but Moxley ends up applying the rear naked choke, and this time Jericho taps out. Moxley wins the match, um, and uh, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara all run to the ring to attack Moxley, but then Claudio, Wheeler Yuta, and Kingston and Ortiz come out to even the odds. I think on commentary that they said something about how the Jericho Appreciation Society, Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Daniel Garcia come out too. They're outnumbered. I'm going to count right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five. I guess they were outnumbered. Um, I, I know it's real good audio to be counting on front of the microphone. but uh, And just when we think they're outnumbered and they're going to get their butts beat up, uh, CM Punk comes out. We hear the... That's my impression of CM Punk's music. Uh, Cult of Personality plays huge pop for CM Punk, big pop for CM Punk, and uh, comes out, cleans house of the Jericho Appreciation Society. He uh, comes, makes face, or he comes and makes face-to-face. He comes and looks face-to-face with Moxley. They stare each other down in the center of the ring, and then Moxley flips off CM Punk and walks out of the ring, and we get CM Punk sitting down, crisscross applesauce, spoons in the bowl, in the middle of the ring and just soaking it all in. And good for him. He deserves to soak it all in. He was obviously hopping on the bad leg, bad leg there, bad foot there for a minute too to really show that he's all better. I really hope he's all better. And this is clearly where we're going in the direction towards all out. We're getting John Moxley versus CM Punk. And the crowd was hot for this. Not only hot for the match, but hot for the post-match of CM Punk and John Moxley and the anticipation towards that match. I hope they don't put their hands on each other until the match happens. I, you know, two baby faces, so we have a chance. I assume Moxley's going to take a little bit more of a heel role in all this. I'm not exactly sure where we're going to go. But the match itself, Chris Jericho versus John Moxley, completely over-delivered for me. Uh, Chris Jericho, for me, is not fun always to watch in the ring nowadays. I, I just think he's slower. I even think the Judas Effect doesn't look as good as it used to. We had Moxley kicking out of the Judas Effect at one point, And you know what? Jim Ross really ruined win the near fall because he was like no one's ever kicked out of this this is my Jim Ross impression apparently I can do a little bit better no one's ever kicked out of this no one I don't know if he's that southern no one's ever kicked out of this no one's ever kicked out of this 
and uh, then you kind of knew John Moxley was going to kick out. Uh, but yeah, we did get that near fall, and if Jim Ross had shut the f- up, uh, it probably would have been a little bit better. But that's a really aggressive. I'm sorry, you guys. I don't know why I got so aggressive about that. Yeah, but I'm excited as to where we're going next, just in AEW in general. I I like this match overall. I thought we had some good developments. We had some non-developments. Stop with the backstage interruptions, for God's sake, already. And uh, yeah, with all that being said, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's Dynamite Review Show, and we will get into all of next week's Dynamite next week. I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time